Since we're on emotion still, I would love to kind of transition us a little bit into talking about the gender differences. Um, so females versus males, we obviously can't completely group everyone together that's a female versus a male, but there do tend to be emotional differences. So maybe let's start with um, how are males and females emotionally different um, in the workplace or just in general? So it's really interesting because they, there was a survey that was done in 2021, so not that long ago, about and it was looking at whether women are more emotional than men, because that's long been the ideal. The, the, I will now say it's a myth, really, but the, the people say, oh, women are more emotional than men. Right. And that's how it is. And so that's kind of followed women around a lot. Well, this survey that was done with um, a number of people actually showed that, no, women are not more emotional than men. Men are as emotional as women. The difference is rather in how they express their emotion and how they are also brought up. So the society and environment that nurtures them um, and the stereotypes, obviously, that, that still exist today. Um, so I think having said that, of course, if you if there are there are certain areas of the, of the brain uh, in a woman that is different to a man, um, we have slightly more facility with showing empathy. Women have slightly more communication skills than men. Um, there are some, some small, some differences, but in, but the amount of emotion I would say is quite similar. Um, but how we express it really is the key and how we're allowed to express it. So, um, that's that there, there is the difficulty, I think, uh, for, for women and for men. It's, it's difficult for both genders, definitely. So Natalie, as the male in this conversation, <laughs> um, can you give me permission in the best way you can to express my emotions and use them for the better of my team at work? Yes, I would love to give you permission to do that. And I, and I wish that all organizations would do that. For men, it's quite challenging because um, I, I talk about a double bind. And I think there's a double bind, and I'll explain what I mean by that, for, for both men and for women. And for men, the double bind is that they are still expected uh, to be all-powerful, to be working long hours, to be a real man is what it takes to, to not complain. Um, they are still expected to, to portray that in many industries. So not all industries, but there are many industries, more sort of traditional legal, financial industries. Men are still expected to be... Um, to be portraying that that powerful that powerful image, and yet men want to have a work life balance as much as women, and men want to have a family life as much as women. Um, and I think today, for many men, it's challenging still as to how much they can juggle with that. Um, and I think there is a very big difficulty for men to express sadness at work. So what we found from our research is that men men are far more at ease with anger. When they are angry at work, it is not seen as a bad thing. <laughs> In fact, some male um, candidates are uh, hired because they seem angry. So, so um, 
anger is, is still okay, but sadness is not something that men feel comfortable with. Um, and and I still believe that a lot of people don't feel comfortable seeing men sad. So that's an issue. That's an issue definitely for men because we need to be able to express all of our emotions, not just anger. Um, so I would love to give you permission, Lily, to express your 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 emotions fully um, because it's it's so important. And you could be a great role model. If you do that, you will be a great role model for all the other men in the organization because we need role models to do that. So there you go. Neely has permission as well as all the male listeners. So, so Natalie, tell me how, how this works uh, or how we should be considering this in those interpersonal relationships uh, at work between males and females, obviously different levels of the organization managing up, uh, leading a team. Talk about those dynamics and the considerations that should be um, brought to the forefront. So I kind of see it in three levels. So I think firstly, I would say that organizations as a whole have a role to play um, about this. We need to stop the stereotypes. Um, we need to talk about, which we need to encourage obviously the emotional conversations between men, amongst men, between men and women. You know, the response, how we handle this is really, really important. So talking about it, um, breaking down these stereotypes is probably the first thing. And you can do certain things in the workplace. For example, talking about, you know, the men's issue, we should be encouraging men to take parental leave. I don't know how it is in the US, but in the UK, for example, you know, it's becoming a bigger thing now, parental leave. And yet research has shown that men are not taking it. And they're not taking it because they're frightened that they will be seen as weak or soft um, or that it might even impact their career um, trajectory. So, so we can be doing things. We can be giving signals as an organization. We can be, um, we can be doing all sorts of things really to, to, to stop bringing, to stop the stereotypes that exist around men and women. I think that's really, really important. Um, and I think the other thing too is probably to encourage all leaders to to have these conversations, you know, with their teams. What's it like for you? You know, how does that, what's it like for you? Are you, do you feel that you can express yourself fully? Once we have these, and I talk a lot about that in the book about making it safe to talk about emotions, encouraging a climate where talking about emotions is not taboo and where it's okay to do that. And I think then people can really, really express themselves. So that's one area. Um, and then of course, I think at an individual level, you know, each gender has an obligation to help themselves. And I think men need to learn how to speak out about how they're feeling. They need to learn to be able to express how they're feeling uh, and share their concerns and also accept, for example, that they have a full range of emotions and that sadness, for example, is is super important. Um, strangely enough, I don't know what it's like in for you guys when you have your American football, but if you watch football in the UK, that is a time when you see men crying. That is one of the very rare times when you see <laughs> men crying <laughs> because uh, they cry at the end of a football match. It's amazing mm. to see all these grown men crying and it's really great. Why can't we have more of that elsewhere? Why does it have to be kept for the football pitch, you know? Um, so I would say that. And and for women, we haven't really talked about women's challenges, but for women, you know, they have to kind of support each other. Um, I talk in the book about how women are often... Um, interrupted more than men in meetings. Um, this is this is a fact. This is what surveys and research is showing. Um, so women have to learn how to handle that in meetings. Um, they have to learn how to support each other. They have to also, as they climb up the ladder, 
they have to be brave and they have to challenge those stereotypes um, because they will be setting the precedent for the people who come after them as well. It's not easy. I'm, I'm, I'm talking as if it's easy, but there is a lot of work to be done there um, still in 2023. And there's still a lot of work to be done. You've talked about men crying and football, and now I can't yeah. stop thinking about Ted Lasso. <laughs> I'm so excited for the third season of Ted Lasso. So do you watch that show? I do. I do. I really oh, like yeah. it, actually. Yeah, yeah. And it's a big hit everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's shows like that that are brilliant because that is showing a grown man going through yeah. his emotions and learning how to not shove them down. So maybe we, just need, we need more Ted Lasso. For we everyone. need more of that. And we need more sort of like, I say, well-known people even who can actually, particularly men, who can actually show their emotions. That would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. for sure. Um, so something else that was coming to my mind is difficult conversations at work because that's something that emotions are so tied to is yeah. having those tough conversations of you're not performing or this is going on or I have gotten this feedback and we need to talk about it. Um, so I guess how do leaders or how can leaders go into those conversations keeping their employees' um, emotions in mind and kind of not walking on eggshells because I don't think that's necessarily what needs to happen, but how do leaders go into those co difficult conversations kind of being attuned to emotions? You know, it's such an important topic. It's one of my big topics that I talk about a lot because because I think it holds back a lot of people. It impacts performance management, as you say, it impacts health and well-being. It impacts, you know, people's growth because as you, people are often afraid of these difficult conversations. It's kind of scary to have to talk to somebody and to say that they're not doing well or to not be happy with their behavior. And so um, it's quite tricky. Um, and very often people will go into these conversations in a very cognitive way, they'll have a list of bullet points. They'll prepare themselves mentally. What I, What is it I need to say? I need to point out this X, Y, and Z so that they, they see what I mean. But actually, they've overlooked the other side, which is the emotional side. Um, and as you say, they need to be aware that the other person is also going to, going to be feeling a certain way. So much, I would say, 50% of, of what happens no, 50% of what makes these conversations successful happens in the preparation. I think a lot of people forget that you need to prepare for these conversations. And if you prepare in the right way, then you are setting yourself up for success. So preparation, you know, don't have this conversation um, at the end of the day. Don't have it on a Friday. Don't squeeze it in between two meetings. Give it the space that it deserves. How are you feeling? As you're about to deliver this feedback, this difficult feedback, how do you feel about it? What are your emotions? What can you do with those emotions before you go into the into the conversation? Can you chat to somebody? Can you vent? Can you get rid of those emotions? Can you do some breathing exercises before you go into the conversation to get yourself into the zone? Um, these are all things that you need to think about. How is the other person going to be feeling? Do you know them well? Do you know how they're likely to react? How are you likely to react if they get emotional in the meeting? Are you going to step back and sugarcoat the issue or are you going to step up and get aggressive? What's your type? What's your mode? What do you do? Because we all have different ways of reacting. So the preparation is key. Um, in the book, I also talk about the conversation itself. 
when you go in. And of course, if you go into the conversation thinking it's going to be difficult, then you've lost already. So your mindset is really important. If you look at this conversation as an opportunity for growth, <laughs> rather than, you know, difficult feedback, it might help because people want feedback, despite what you may think. People actually want to hear how they're doing and they want to know if they can improve. So I think the mindset piece is really important. And then, of course, there are many techniques of how you handle the conversation to ensure that emotions don't get the better of the conversation, because it can get heated. It can get unpleasant. You don't know how the other person will react. So a lot of the techniques that we've already talked about, um, Kaylee, earlier on will be important. Um, there's a lot of breathing exercises you can do, other tips such as pausing, taking your time, allowing space, the silences, all these kind of things are really important tools to be able to work in the moment during the conversation. So that's really important. And then the other thing also that I talk about is not just the conversations where you're giving feedback for difficult, bad behavior or, or difficult or, or underperforming, but you may need to have a difficult conversation if somebody's really stressed. This is a typical thing that's happening nowadays. So you people are stressed. Maybe they're they've taken some you know some sick days. Maybe you're noticing they're not doing well. How do you have a conversation with somebody about that? This is a crucial conversation, and a lot of managers will run a mile from that. Maybe they don't think it's their role. Maybe they think it's HR who should handle it. Um, but it's very common. And in the book, I give lots of tools about how to handle that kind of difficult conversation where you're not talking about performance, but you're actually talking about a human being who's got stress and how that person is feeling. So that's another very important conversation we don't talk about much. And Natalie, there's, there's a, lot, um, a lot to say about that. I think, you know, we talk regularly about having uh, regular touch points with team members to make sure that you're connected, not just on, you know, work progress, but also, you know, personal progress and events that are happening and, and, and feelings and, and emotions and, and things of that nature. You know, a couple of questions. One, having a regular, uh, almost ongoing conversation with a team member, you know, how valuable is that as an establishment of trust to then set you up for a difficult conversation to know that there's positive intent in this conversation and that it is not just a, a drive-by delivery of, of negative news? Yeah, so I think what you're saying is really interesting here. And it's, it's, we're really talking about setting it up. And, and in the book, I talk a lot about how it's important to establish what I call a culture of emotional safety. And when you establish that culture, you are then going to be able to have those conversations more easily. And, and there's a lot of things that you need to think about here, because it may be a new thing if you're doing that. But when we talk about an emotional safety, what we're saying is that, that we're we're saying that people can talk about how they feel without fear of being judged or without fear of being reprimanded, that it's okay to say I'm having a bad day or it's okay to say I'm feeling sad. You're not going to be judged. Um, and that's where you create this culture. And so to do that, you know, the leader has to work on that. Um, it may be that you need to set up some agreements with your team as to, you know, how often do you talk about how you're feeling? Maybe you have a, a you know, a check-in once a week. Maybe you have a check-in at the beginning of meetings. How often will you have one-to-ones with your team members who ask them really 
not not talk about work, but actually ask them how they're doing. Uh, and those are things that you need to establish. It's kind of like a discipline or routine that you establish so that gradually it becomes comfortable. It's not weird. It's not it's not kind of like embarrassing, but it becomes normal and acceptable. And of course, within that, there are boundaries. Right? You don't want to be talking about your emotions all the time. So these are the things that you need to work out. Um, but when you do it, and if you do it, then then those difficult conversations become easier because people are used to it and people don't feel awkward anymore. Um, so it's it's a really important thing, in, in, in my opinion. Yeah, thank you for that. I, th- I think um, the next thought is sort of a compound one. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about self-awareness uh, and being able to, you know, be mindful of what is going on with yourself, I think the next step in expansion for a leader is to now be aware and mindful about others and, and be perceptive um, as into what is going on and, and how to engage with those individuals and have productive conversations that are considerate of emotions. Um, so first talk about that expansion of skills that are now required in people leaders, but also you know, individual individual contributors that might not be ready for that level of connection and engagement that might be intentionally closed off and are not willing to, you know, accept um, the, the, the premise of these kind of conversations at work. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting because you talk about the next step, but I think there's a step in between. So for me, there's the first step for me is is becoming aware of your own emotions. And being in touch with your own emotions, because if you're not in touch with your own emotions, it's really hard to interact with other people's emotions. So that's the first kind of like first piece in the back, in, in, in the whole thing. There's a, there's a second piece, which I haven't talked about, which I think comes next, which is to be aware of how you impact others with your emotions. So how you show up at work is really important, you know, because I think sometimes leaders are not aware that if they are um having a particular emotion it can impact everybody else because emotions are contagious so how do they show up um do people feel comfortable around them do people feel safe around them and around showing up and how you show up is also that element of being vulnerable and authentic so all of that piece is really how you show up and how you impact so that for me that's an in-between piece almost um and then, of course, as you say, the next piece is, well, OK, so you've looked at your own emotions. You're, you're thinking a little bit about how you appear to other people. And then, of course, you want to be able to work with other people's emotions. You want to be able to see it, see how they are feeling. And 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 for some people, I can understand that it might be scary and it feels like there's a mountain to climb. But actually, um, you can do some very, very simple things um, when we talk about. When we talk about this, the other bit, the bit about working with other people's emotions, we're really talking about empathy, first and foremost, and perhaps even compassion. Those are the two big words that I that I talk about in my work. And everybody's familiar with or has heard about empathy. Uh, empathy is, 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 a, is like a muscle. It can be built and it can be worked on. And it can be very simple. It can be anything like increasing your listening skills. OK, how you listen. Listening is. It's such a key skill. It's one of the most fundamental skills that a leader has. And it's one of the things that is done really badly, that I see done really badly everywhere. <laughs> um, and so just a simple thing of paying attention to how you listen to somebody and giving them the time 
um, giving that time to talk is enormous. You know, if I had to pick one thing, I would say do that. So those are, that's a very simple thing that you can work on. And I would think something else that you can work on is your curiosity. I think leaders need to be aware of their team members and to be curious about them. Um, and if you can develop that curiosity, um, genuine curiosity about how they are and how they're feeling and how they're doing, again, you've, you've, you've done a lot. So again, we're not talking about big things. There are, there, there are many simple things that you can do to really um, increase your ability to interact with other people and build that connection that, that everybody wants. Yeah, I think those are great, small but important things to do. Um, and I have a little bit of an anecdote, I guess, to share. Yeah. When you started talking about the way that we impact, um, the way that a leader can impact other people with their own emotions or just in general, the way that we impact each other, I was, thought this article was so interesting. I was reading that, um, and I guess I don't want to claim that this is 100% true, but it was claiming that managers actually have a bigger effect on employees' mental health than therapists do. And I just think that is profound because- it is. Managers are the day to day. You spend so much of your time with employees. So I just think that's an interesting thing to note um, that the impact is huge. It is it's scary as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. And, it, and I think you're right. I mean, that's, that, that survey is really interesting, but it's also, it mustn't scare managers either because they're going to think, oh my God, what a responsibility I have. But I think it's, it's important for managers to realize that they do have a role to play in the mental health and well being of their team members. They're not, they're not required to be therapists. They're not required to be, you know, counselors, but they do have to care. Um, they do have to care. They do have to listen. And um, when they do that, it's enormous. So, you know, they, they, they do have a role in that, definitely. Right. And I also think like you said, it sounds scary, but our minds don't need to go to the negative. It's no. as simple as being positive or making someone feel like they belong. Um, I think it's just the simple things are impacting Absolutely. people so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Acts of kindness, saying thank you. You know, you you guys are all about recognition. Um, a simple thank you, an act of you know appreciating somebody is enormous um, and has a huge impact on health and well-being as well as on motivation and everything else. But, but you know, you can do simple things, kindness, acts of kindness. Um, it doesn't take a lot, but it makes a huge difference to somebody. Agreed. My uh, favorite saying is we're human beings, not human doings. So if we were yeah. to treat each other as human beings, uh, not, not that difficult. Absolutely. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for your time, for your experience, for your knowledge, for your tips. Uh, you know, I'm sure that our listeners can find at least a handful of nuggets to work on. Again, these might be simple but not easy things to consider. They are going to require practice and time. Um, but incredibly grateful for the, the work that you're doing uh, and the information that you've shared with us today. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure to talk to you about this very important matter. And I hope that, you know, the listeners will will get some good tools from that because it's uh, it's very important that we we build emotional cultures. For me, it's absolutely crucial. So thank you. I agree. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. And special thanks to The Fracture and Jay Matthews for their original music. Stay tuned for more episodes coming out every week that will touch on the topics that are important to HR and people leaders like you. 
If you have any recommendations or feedback, or if you are looking to partner on creating a more engaging recognition program, you can contact us at podcast at recognition.com. And as always, thank you.